That's exactly what we be getting frustrated about. Hey. Exactly. Niggas always think shit is about them. Love, peace. <laughs> I hate that people don't respect personal space. Personal space. It's mainly niggas. Let me just be real. Niggas is the most frustrating shit when you be on your period. Everything about them be frustrating. The little shit can bother me too. Like if I'm on my period now, I'm already not in the mood and I go outside and a mosquito bite me, then mosquitoes gonna be fucking with me too. Hey everybody, this is Perky of Perky Perspectives. Thanks for joining me. So for everybody that is new to the podcast, please follow at Perky Perspectives on Instagram, as well as my personal page, Perky Sexy Cool on Instagram. Also subscribe to the podcast, which is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Pandora. Um, you can visit the Patreon at patreon.com slash Perky Perspectives, Radio Public, I also go on Periscope sometimes, and then my website, perksofwellness.org. And so just to highlight the Patreon, um, it's just very important to have patrons and to have people that support the podcast because it allows for me to do more things with it. It takes a lot behind the scenes to keep up with it, such as editing, and sometimes I'll bring in other people to help with the editing. I'm also looking to get a space because I'm creating the Perky Perspectives Network. So for people that are looking to get into podcasting but need some help, need a place to record, need to know how to do their notes, anything like that. Like I'm going to be setting all of that up with you. And so, like I said, anything helps. So even if you can do a dollar a month, like it will go a long way. And it also just shows support. Um, outside of that, I am also the nominations director for Black Pod Awards. So you can find that at blackpodawards.com and Black Pod Awards on social media platforms. The ceremony will be September 27th. So applications are open right now. Please go and apply, tell your friends about it, uplift the, the award ceremony because we need more representation. So it's very important. And um, also one of my affiliates is the 4S Nation. So you can find that on Instagram at F-O-R-U-S, the number four U-S. And the website is forestnation.com. If you are a Black person that has a business and you want to be found by other people, or even if you're just a creative, you're a freelancer, anything like that, you can add yourself to the directory. We also have a place for allies because we all need support and help. So if you are an ally, hey, then please join and add your business on there as well and help to push out the website so that we can find each other, you know? That's that's really the thing, it's a push-up game. We wanna be able to identify who's there for us, who we can buy from, where we wanna spend our dollars. So that's very important. And this is the love period episode. So um, please go to tinyurl.com slash project. You can find feminine hygiene products. You can find educational materials for having the talk. Or if you're a father and you don't know even know where to start, you can go there. And if you just wanna donate, you can donate there. And so right now I'm actually doing a campaign. So I'll be pushing that out on the Patreon and on my social media platforms really soon. And it's basically, I want to be able to provide more kits to more people and um, make sure that there's more funding going into our feminine hygiene and taking care of our bodies. Cause it's a lot going on right now. And to still have to worry about where you're getting your money to take care of your body is something that we don't usually want to have to think about, but we have to, some of us every month, some of us like me every three months, but either way, 
it's still there. So tinyurl.com slash project, and everything is in the show notes. So today's guest is Amanda Webster. You can find her at amandawebsterhealth.com and on Instagram, amandawebsterhealth. And she also has a YouTube channel, Natural Mental Health Healing. Um, she's a certified mind, body, and wellness coach, and she's also one of Arizona chapter leaders of Days for Girls. Hey, Amanda. Hello. I am so honored after all that to, to be considered to be here today. It's awesome. I know. I say so that's going to be in the show notes, right? Because I'm yeah. excited to look into the stuff that I hadn't heard about yet. Yeah, I'm going to put everything in the show notes. And I know I push out a lot, but I'm like, let me just get it all in the front so that everything for the episode is just about you as my guest. <laughs> oh, I actually love it because you seem to have the passion that I do that you're like, and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and this cause is important. And then you just get so passionate about all that. I love it. Right. The only difference is you have a child and I don't know how you do it. <laughs> so, like, well, he actually is involved sometimes. He loves to get involved and, and help with a lot of these causes. So that helps out. That's <laughs> So yeah, to start, so it's a love period project, and I guess you could speak about being a parent too, but to start, what was your introduction to periods? Well, obviously my own. Uh, my introduction was my, my own period when I think I was about 11 or 12, and fortunately, my mom had told me about the menstrual cycle and what that was, so it wasn't a huge shock to me, and I, I remember going out to the kitchen and coming up to my mom and going, mom. I think I know why I've been so grumpy lately. <laughs> and she just smiled at me. She said, okay, and like gave me a hug and it was no big deal. And we went and bought pads and that was that. And I kind of thought that that was the experience that every girl had, you know, that they had the support of a parent. They had somebody that told them what it was and it wasn't, you know, a, a big shock or a big deal. And when I started doing my, my work with Days for Girls, actually, the reason I started doing my work for Days for Girls was when I realized that that's not the case. Not everybody's so right. lucky to have such an awesome experience with a mom or some kind of, of a motherly figure to teach them that. Right. And you know, that's funny you said that because I actually did um, an episode or I did an interview where I was a guest on Mother Love Show, who is like a radio personality in LA where I'm from. And she said her mom never had periods. Actually, her mom didn't even think she could have children. And when she met her husband, he didn't think he had he could have children either. So it was like she never experienced it. And then they ended up having six kids. And now she has daughters that she had to explain periods to. And she was like, baby, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what that is. Like, <laughs> it was like, I didn't go through any of that. So yeah, it's like, it, some of it is because of like lack of experience, which is rare. Like that's not as common. Or it's like people just don't like, I mean, definitely depending on the time frame that you grew up, like they didn't even say pregnant. They said expecting. So it was like even the terms around stuff was like very I remember that on Philip Lucy, how she said she was with child. She couldn't say she was pregnant. Yeah, right. I remember that. Right. They didn't even have beds that was attached because you couldn't even look like it's like we married. Like people You have like, a baby. We know this happens. Right, y'all know what's going on in the room, right? <laughs> so yeah, so did you start Days for Girls or not start it, but did you join Days for Girls before you became a mom or after? It was after I became a mom. I was on a website called Free Cycle where you could get uh, free stuff that people were giving away. It's kind of like Craigslist, but everything's free. 
or you could donate stuff. And I was donating a lot of stuff at the time. I was kind of going through this purge phase. And I had fabric that my mom had uh, collected over the years. And I didn't know what to do with it because I didn't just want to throw it away. But I wasn't a sewer or anything. So I was like, okay, what can I do with this? So I, I went on FreeCycle and I ironically found this girl who was looking for different types of fabric for a project. And I said, oh, what's the project? And she started telling me about it, uh, about Days for Girls and how um, these girls in a lot of these other countries, number one, they don't know about their menstrual cycle. And if they know anything at all, it, they think that when they start their period, it's either a curse from God or they have AIDS or it's some kind of really terrible disease. Yeah, in a lot of these areas, they believe that they're dying or that they're being cursed for being dirty. Oh, wow. Lots and lots of terrible things surrounding it. And they don't have access to feminine hygiene uh, products. And when they do have access to feminine hygiene products, they often have to give their bodies to authority figures, like at school and stuff, to get feminine hygiene products so that they can go to school. Because obviously, their bodies, like, have sex. Yes, they have to have sex with, with older men, like authority figure oh, yeah, men. In some countries, they believe that you, um, to cure like sexually transmitted diseases and stuff like that, you have to have yep. sex with a virgin. Yes, and like yes. That. And they, they believe that a period makes a girl dirty, so the only way to cure her of that is to have sex with her. And the, the biggest problem with that, other than the obvious ethical issues uh, surrounding that, is a lot of these people are HIV positive in countries where HIV is just running rampant. So this can be a death sentence to these girls just to get feminine hygiene products, just to get uh, what they need to be able to go to school because uh, when, when they're on their menstrual cycle, they can't go to school. So they, they miss five or six days a month of school. And then of course they fall behind. And then of course they, they end up dropping out, not being able to pursue an education, but it really bothered me because I was sexually assaulted at 16. So to think that these girls are giving their bodies just for something as simple as feminine hygiene, mm -hmm. I'm saying, okay, if there's something I can do about this, I've, I've got to do something. I've got to, I've got to put my, I don't want to say put my money where my mouth is because it wasn't really a money issue, but I, I really need to, you know, walk the walk here because it really just devastated me to know that girls were doing this just for something so basic. Right. And that's even more terrible. Like you, one day you just have, you start bleeding from a spot that you didn't know you could bleed from. So that's already traumatic enough. And then to help cure the trauma from that experience, you become traumatized more. <laughs> yeah, by, sex, by being sexually assaulted. Yeah, it's, it's horrific. And I feel like anyone that cares about, you know, any type of women's rights or feminism or any of that, this should be an issue that we're concerned about. But to be truthfully honest, I didn't even think about this. I didn't think about the fact that there were girls across the globe that didn't have access to feminine hygiene. I didn't think that this was an issue. I just had never really stopped to think about it. Once you stop to think about it, you say, oh, duh, these people don't even have access to clean water and food. Of course, they don't have access to feminine hygiene kits. So with these for girls, we sell reusable feminine hygiene kits for these girls, and it lasts them about two and a half years. And of course, we replenish them, or we teach them how to make more themselves so that they can continue uh, having these kits and providing these kits for the communities and that's really powerful to either be able to give this to them and then be able to teach them how to do it you know for themselves so that they can continue uh, creating it for other women in their communities yeah so it seems like we we both have similar hearts because basically that's how i felt too like well my introduction into even thinking about it um was I was like in New York, I was living in New York and I was on the train one day and this lady got on the train and she was blind. And 
she was asking for feminine hygiene products. Like she, she was saying that she was homeless and everything, but she was also blind. And she, she was like, this is just what I want. Like, and the woman in me was like, wow. Like that's like just going down to your basic, 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 like feminine needs. Like, look, I am homeless. I am doing all this stuff, but look, can you just give me some period products? Cause right, right now that's my issue. And I was just like, Oh my God, I didn't even think about, that part of being homeless like obviously you're just like okay they don't have a house they don't have as much access like they may be in need of money or whatever other issues come with being homeless but i'm like duh like and it's funny because um people readily give like condoms male condoms to be specific they'll give male condoms out like it's nothing to people that are experiencing homelessness but it's like really i didn't know that was a thing either yeah like but you're not gonna give me a pet like I still have to pay for that or I mean I don't see it as much and right now nothing's open really like that but when I will go out sometimes you'll go to the bathroom and then you will have to pay for those products and it's just like come on now like I'm bleeding like I'm okay like (laughs) I don't remember if I told this story on my platform before but I was in I visited in Europe um this was maybe like two years ago. I went and I went to Belgium and I actually met up with a friend that I, I knew. And so he took me into a club in Rotterdam, which is in Belgium. And so like, I'm having a good time and I'm wearing like a, a top skirt set. So I'm thinking I'm cute, like, mm-hmm, like having a good time, right? All of a sudden, I, no, I was already on my period, sorry, but I was using a cup. Yeah, that's what I use. I like laughed or something, like something like shifted and it started like the blood started going down my leg yes and i'm like oh my god i'm so embarrassed right so a few things about europe one (laughs) they you have to pay to use the toilets yeah so you pay one time at least but then you you know you can go in and out so i don't think i already went in and then two this particular club like rather than them having the black bar napkins they had white napkins so i was just like (laughs) <laughs> I was like, oh my God, like, this is about to be the most embarrassing thing. And so like, that was like my thing towards like, I'm looking for feminine hygiene products in a, a public space and I don't have anything on me and I, I, I don't have nothing to use. And like, you already know you use cups. Like, yeah, it's like some stuff you got to do just to make sure. Yeah. You got to rinse it out and stuff. You always have water on you. Yeah. Exactly. So I was just like, what am I about to do? <laughs> and that was just wrapping toilet paper around your hand. I've been there. Walking back and forth, they're like, "What is she doing? Why is she can't go back to the toilet?" <laughs> so it's like, I was like embarrassed, and that was just like a one incident. And so I'm like, to think of living in New York, where you have snow, you have rain, you have all these things, you you don't have a place to sleep, like you're probably having to move a lot because you're on the trains and all that, and and to be blind and to not have access. I was like, oh no, like I I want to help do something about this. And then I started doing research, and that's when I started to learn more about the people overseas dealing with this and so I was just like this is like this is 20 whatever year it was 2017 or something and I'm like and we're still dealing with this like women still don't have our basic needs being met and this is something that y'all know we have like y'all want to have babies y'all want to get with us like y'all know we have periods right yeah yeah this is what comes with being a woman (laughs) if we didn't have periods you wouldn't be here thank you (laughs) so yeah well, yeah, um, I know we had st- different ways of getting to it, but that's how we, I think, got to the same spot of this journey. Um, okay, so outside of that, you also are involved heavily in health. You do your yoga instructor, mm-hmm. right? Okay, and what else do you do in the health field? 
So I'm a mind body wellness coach. My specialty is in holistic nutrition. I'm also a certified yoga instructor and a certified fitness instructor. So I have a lot going on there. My focus is more on mental health and bridging the gap between mental and physical health, showing people that what the choices you make physically are going to affect you mentally and vice versa, the things that you do, the choices you make in your life, your lifestyle choices, how much time you spend online, how much time you spend watching the news, the things you choose to give your time and energy and focus to can affect you physically in the long run. So my big uh, goal is just bridging that gap there. Yeah, it's super important. I'm a mental health clinician. So I'll be telling people like affirmations and like, it really does play a part. There's science behind it. People think it's this new age woo woo thing, but there's actually science behind affirmations and how it rewires the, uh, the neurons and the connections in your brain. It really does have a science, scientific backing. Gratitude also has a scientific backing. They've done a lot of studies on gratitude and shown that it does have a very significant change in the way people respond. Even after the tests were conducted, months later, people responded more positively than they did before. And the depression rates dropped in these people. So they did one, um, they did one study where they had three different groups do writing exercises, like gratitude writing exercises. And it showed that the people that did the gratitude exercises actually had lower rates of depression afterwards. And these were people that going into the trial had some level of mild to moderate depression. And when they came out, they actually were able to, on some level, lower that depression, on a significant level, lower that depression and anxiety. And I, I know that that's been completely life-changing for me. I, I, do gratitude every morning and every evening. I have an app, it's called 365 Gratitude, I think. Uh, and that's been really useful for me to just shift that, that mindset because there was a time where I was in that doom and gloom mindset when I was coming out of my own depression that I'd struggled with for as far back as I can remember truthfully. I, I don't think there was a time I'd ever not been clinically depressed uh, and, and gratitude was really helpful. Uh, to getting out of that. And I think there's a misconception. People think that gratitude is just being happy about everything all the time, but that's not the case. And even if you can't find something to be grateful for, just the act of looking for something to be grateful for is enough. Just the t- taking the time to say, what do I have right now? What is going good for me right now? Because even if the whole world's falling apart, you know, when my mom died back in 2007, my whole freaking world fell to rock bottom, like financially, emotionally, of course, then physically, because of that, every aspect of my life just collapsed around me. I had no idea how to cope. I had no idea how to deal with this uh, grief or to deal even with my life in general at that point. But if I really connected it and I saw, you know what, there's people, complete strangers that are helping me out of the kindness of their heart. Um, the, the groundskeeper at the apartment complex I lived at the night my mom died came and watched movies with me on my living room floor just to make sure that I was okay I had no real relationship with this guy like we hadn't been friends or anything it was just banter you know when I go check the mail and I knew his name and that was about it we we just have you know friendly banter now and then when when I was out and about the, the apartment complex but he sat on my living room floor he slept actually on my living room floor to make sure that I was okay and and to help take care of me the the EMT in the ambulance when um, they transferred me to a psych ward because they said I was a danger to myself after my mom passed away because I, I say, and I quote, I said, I feel like I have nothing left to live for. And they took that as I was going to leave that 
hospital right there and go kill myself. So they tried to put me in a 72 hour suicide watch. And I said, look, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you literally just pulled me away from my mom's dead body. Like they literally pulled me by my torso out of the room, away from my dead mom's dead body. And this is the first words that come out of my mouth in shock. I feel like I have nothing left to live for. And they said, nope, you need to be held um, for 72 hours. And I finally, like they transferred me to a psych ward and I said, look, you want me to kill myself? Let something happen to my dogs that I have no way of feeding right now. That one dog was my mom's dog. That's the only living thing I have left of my mother. Let something happen to that dog because I can't get to her and I have no one to call to go take care of her because I don't know anyone here. I just moved to uh, Sacramento at the time. Me and my mom had just moved there in February and she passed in June. So I had no friends. I didn't know anybody. So I told this guy, yeah, you want me to kill myself, keep me here. And they released me and I'm 24 hours. But my point being was there was something there for me to be grateful for. Even if it was the absolute worst moment of my life, there was still something there to be grateful for and to check in with. Um, and that's, that's really important. Just looking for it, just looking for something. Okay. So you said a whole bunch. So I'm going to try to unpack everything. Cause I had, good at that. I had like thoughts off of everything. If you saw my facial expressions. So, <laughs> so the first thing I want to say is yes, it's really important to even just look and sometimes we have to just break things down to like the basics to feel gratitude and um, not compare. Cause um, for example, like I had a friend recently tell me like, I always feel anxious. Like I feel like I'm always going like this. And they did like this fluttering for people listening on the podcast. They did this like fluttering movement with their hands. And I was just like, well, you don't have to look at that as something that's negative because think about a hummingbird, think about like a butterfly. It's always fluttering. Like it has to do that to continue to move but it's a beautiful thing. We look at hummingbirds and we're like, oh my God, they're so pretty. Like, look at that. <laughs> it doesn't have to be negative. So it's also sometimes just your perception. Perspective, yep. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, I also had the thought that you were talking about um, the positivity and I tell a lot of my clients to speak affirmations, even if they're not battling with depression or anything like that. I always somehow work into affirmations for them because um it's just putting it out there putting the positivity out there and we know this is proven like outside of the studies that you have looked into and have read about um if you just go basic like when you're growing a plant what do they tell you to do speak to the plant like oh my god look at you growing like oh is this a lemon like you you speak that positivity to it and you're supposed to do that actually when you eat into your water and things like that too it's like this positive thing that's vibration that you're supposed to be creating into your world and it just it made me laugh internally when you said that it's been scientifically proven because I'm like it seems like every what every generation we have to relearn stuff because it's like our our ancestors already knew this right we don't need science new age science to prove the things that we instinctively know but I guess we do because like we forget at some point in time and we have to relearn it um and then also with what you were saying about what you what you went through this is why like mental health like really needs to continue to be enforced in this country because I know as a clinician that of course you're gonna make statements like that like you just lost somebody really close to you like I shouldn't my first thought shouldn't be oh my gosh she's gonna commit suicide let me make this more traumatic for her and throw her away like it should have been an assessment it should have been a talk it should have been bring in a, a clinical social worker or somebody to just speak to you. And that's what I really needed was somebody to talk to because they're, they're, 
their theory is, okay, we're going to make sure she doesn't kill herself. Not we're going to make sure that her mental health is taken care of. Right. It's we're going to make sure she doesn't die on our watch. That's really right. what I felt like the concern was there. We don't want her to die on our freaking watch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and to be fair to them, like, when you do a job like that, you do become desensitized to certain things, and it just becomes about, like, let me make sure I do my notes so that they can't say I did this. Right. So I understand that part, but it's just like, nah, like, that's, no, no, <laughs> just no. <laughs> yeah. I'm really sorry that you had to go through that. And I'm glad that you found something like the gratitude. I actually wrote it. So that will be in the show notes for people listening. The app that she's speaking about so that you guys have something also that you can um, possibly use. But um, yeah, so you, what made, what, what was your first start? Because I, I did see that you had in your website that you battle with other things like um, substance abuse and things like that to kind of cope with whatever you were dealing with. So what was the first thing that you journeyed into wellness on? Like, what was the introduction for you? When I was pregnant, I was, I want to say like seven months pregnant with my son. I was in that mindset of, oh God, I need to do something with my life. I was just really becoming a mix between nesty and a mix between, oh God, what am I going to do after babies here? And I need to make an identity for myself and I really need to take the next step forward. For some reason, that's where my mind was. So I found a, a school uh, near me, the Southwest Institute of Healing Arts. And the, the programs just really seemed to appeal to me because I'd already been introduced to yoga and I knew that I needed to gain a, a little bit more education around you know, mindset and around wellness in general, because I was raised in steak and potato country. My mom was a general manager at McDonald's for a while. I grew up on uh, Big Macs, on chicken nuggets. I don't think I ever ate a vegetable. And I, I'm just like, okay, you know, if nothing else, I can get some education for myself and then hopefully help a few other clients. So I graduated in 2011 and I did see some clients and stuff. Uh, my son was born uh, the, the same year. So it, it was kind of really hard for me to really focus on, okay, let me build a clientele and everything, especially because I went through untreated postpartum depression. Okay. Of course I did. Uh, so I, I really struggled for the next couple of years and then I separated from his dad. Then I got in another relationship that really didn't serve me. So for the few years after that, it really became, okay, let's, yeah, it was just this roller coaster of rock bottom depression. Okay, I'm going to try and better myself. Rock bottom depression. Okay, I'm going to try and better myself. And it was, it was 2017 when I was in, I had fallen already into a depression. So I was already in that, that dark space in my mind. And within a two-week period, I ended up getting sued by one of my dog sitting clients because I was doing dog boarding and dog sitting. So I got sued by a dog sitting client. Dog sitting client. Yeah. They sued me for like $3,000 because their dog attacked their dog, but they said it was my fault that their dog attacked their dog. And they won, by the way. But so I get sued by this client. I got wrongfully accused of a DUI and I got a car accident all within a two week period. Right. So I am stressed to the absolute max. That's and the only universe was trying to tell you something. Yeah. And the only thing that I really had at the time was Lincoln Park. Like that's been since I was a teenager. That was the only healthy coping mechanism I had was, okay, I'm going to turn on my music and I'm going to just say, screw the world and, and, you know, jam up to my music because it validated me, you know, like listening to, to the, to the lyrics validated me because clearly, um, Chester, uh, the lead singer was struggling with a lot of the same depression, a lot of the same trauma and stuff that I had. So it, it was, it was really validating for me. It really helped me get through that. And literally within this two week period, Chester Bennington commits suicide. Yeah. I was about to say, um, <laughs> yeah, the, the lead singer of Lincoln Park commits suicide. And that was 
truthfully my downward spiral where I started using again. I started using cocaine again. I was self-harming. Uh, I just spiraled because I was already in a dark spot. Then all this stuff happens to me. Then my security blankets just ripped out of my hands. So I had no idea how to cope. And I started, I started uh, turning to all of these vices because it was all I knew. I, I didn't know what else to turn to. And I went through therapy on and off half my life, probably more than half my life at that point. And I just never really found anything that was helpful. And I ended up uh, meeting the surviving singer, Mike Schnoda, uh, the, the following summer, so about a year later. I ended up meeting uh, Mike. And that inspired me to go into recovery from self-harm and cocaine. So I was, I was inspired at this point to stop uh, doing that. The problem was, is there was an underlying reason that I was doing those things. That was a symptom. Those things were a symptom of the depression of, of these, these issues. Right. So, so, yeah. The exact issue. <laughs> right. So people are like, oh, that's great. You know, you got clean or you stopped harming or whatever. Yes, that is a great step. But that doesn't, you know, solve the issue. So this was um, this was summer of of 2018. In fall of 2018, I ended up on a ledge rate commit suicide because I just couldn't deal with it anymore. It's like, okay, now I don't have the self harm. Now I don't have the the drugs. I don't have my music really because because Chester's gone. So I didn't feel the same connection. And my parents were gone. Everything was just gone. I felt just done. And I was I was on the ledge, and I just remember looking down, and I had two thoughts. One on a ledge. Yes, I was literally on a ledge. It's not metaphorical. I was on an actual physical ledge in a Canadian hotel room, looking down at the roof, ready to end my life. And there were two thoughts in my mind. One was, I hope this doesn't hurt because I don't want to hurt anymore. And the other was, I'm doing this for my son. So everybody that thinks suicide is selfish, screw you. You don't get it. <laughs> uh, you, need, you, need to, you need to take a step back because most of the time when people are in that state of mind, they're doing that because they feel like they're a burden on other people. They feel like they, those people are better off without them. So in that mind state, in that moment, I felt that my son would be better off without me, that I was just up as a mom, that I, like, I, I just couldn't do anything right, that I wasn't doing anything for him, that I was just, you know, hindering his life and hindering his, his growth. So that was my breaking point. Um, and the only thing that brought me down off that ledge, ironically, a lot of people would say this is a miracle. I don't know what I believe in, so I don't know what to call it, but Lincoln Park turned out on outside my door in that very moment. At that exact moment, while I was standing on that ledge, ready to end my life, Lincoln Park turned on right outside my hotel room door. And I was just, I, at first I was kind of in shock. I thought, okay, am I just hearing this? Is this the, the tape that's going in my head in those last moments? You know how they say that your life plays before you in your last moments? I said, oh, my, my, my life's theme song apparently is perfect. Awesome. <laughs> so I, I, I think I got down just to look to see if it was real. I'm sitting there going, oh my God, it's like Chester standing outside my door right now. What's going on? Is that, that would be really an angel. Did you already go? Like, I <laughs> see Yeah, and it, it, it just, it, it freaks me out. And I remember I stepped down, I went to the door, I opened the door and there's a cleaning crew there, which I've been there three days. I didn't even know there was a cleaning crew. I'd never seen anyone. There weren't any workers around the hotel unless you called them. Like people just weren't out and about. It wasn't that type of hotel. And I looked at them and clearly I'm a mess. I mean, I literally just almost took my life. So I'm a mess. I, I look like 10 miles of bad road. And they're probably looking at me thinking, oh God, crazy American chick, crazy like junkie. I don't know what she's going to do. 
And I just had a really brief interaction with them in French. I said, oh, c'est ma chanson préférée, which means it's my favorite song. And they said, ah bon, which is the equivalent of oh really. And I kind of went back inside and fell apart. And I had to hit that rock bottom to start bringing myself back out. And the reason that I, I tell that is because that was where I realized that some of this was on me. Like I went back, I saw my mental health professional and I said, I'm tired of people trying to keep me safe from myself. I want to be happy. I don't want, just want to be safe from myself. I want to be happy. And my mental health professional, I kid you not, said, that's not possible with your diagnosis, with your, uh, I was diagnosed as having an SMI. So she said, that's not really possible. Like you're never going to be able to really live a, a fulfilling life or a quote unquote normal life. And that was my Elle Woods in the bunny costume when Warner was telling her that she's not good enough for law school in, or smart enough for law school and Legally Blonde. I don't know if you've seen that movie, mm -hmm. but that was kind of my, oh, no, no, no. Let me show you what Amanda Webster can do. And I walked out of there and I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew I had to make some changes. And when I really stopped to think about it, I realized that I had to get back to basics, that I wasn't giving my body and mind the fuel it needed mm -hmm. to really function at, at full capacity. And once I kind of made that connection, realized, wait a second, <laughs> this is, this is, I'm not saying that it was my fault that I had a, a mental health condition. It definitely was a product of a lot of different things, but the choices that I was making certainly weren't making it any better. Right. And it, it, I, I kind of had that solidified when I, I reached out to uh, Diamond Dallas Page, who is kind of a wrestling legend. And I had corresponded with him uh, through his DDP yoga program because I got certified as a DDP yoga instructor. So him and I uh, corresponded a little bit off and on with that. And I didn't tell him the depth of, of how bad things were, but I just said, look, I'm kind of having this, this hard time emotionally trying to get his advice because um, I didn't, my dad had passed away in 05, so I'd lost both my parents. And my dad and I grew up on wrestling, so this is kind of the closest thing I had to fatherly advice was my, my wrestling heroes that I had in my life. And he told me, you know, you did this to yourself and it's on you to get out of it. And there's nobody else in the world that could have told me that, that I wouldn't have wanted to punch in the face. But mm -hmm. let's be honest, you know, he probably couldn't, well, definitely couldn't. Yeah, but you couldn't take them anyways. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't take them anyways. But that's, I feel like that's kind of what my dad would have told me, is my dad always had a way of telling me what I wanted to hear without lying to me. And I feel like that's really what, deep down, what I wanted to hear. I wanted somebody to tell me that in a way that I would receive it. And if most of my friends would have told me that. My parents are like you know what I mean yeah. they know us well enough to where they know when we're bullshitting they yeah we're like really happy sad and stuff so they're really the only ones that you can't fight because you know you wouldn't want to do I mean if you have a good relationship with your parents uh that you can't fight that will tell you something like no nah, this is on you and you be like <gasps> no you're right yeah I guess <laughs> and you might get mad you know you might get mad for a minute you might go oh no it's not but then when you really stop to think about it I mean how many things have you realized as an adult that your parents were right about? That you went, oh shit, I really thought um, that, and they were right. And I'm not going to really admit it, but when I become mature enough, I will. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's been a lot. Like, and I, I haven't, I've actually gone to my mom and been like, yeah, whatever. Like, yeah, you know, I'm going to just do what you said because whatever. Like, <laughs> but it's just, like, yeah, but I mean, to be fair, like, they are correct. And you know, even sometimes when they tell you, like, yeah, they probably tell the truth, but I don't want to do it that way. Because you just think, like, 
I'm going to show them I can do my own thing. And then you do this this Uber loop and you come back and you're like, okay, I got all these experiences that just told me that if I would have just went this way. (laughs) If I would have just done what you said, it would have been a lot easier. Right. Yeah. Life isn't like that. (laughs) Yeah. So I I really, I, I wouldn't have accepted that had I heard it a year prior, but hearing that was kind of my, my ass kicking that I needed to move in that direction and really start reanalyzing what I was doing with myself. So I know that's a very long way to get to the answer of what you asked, but that was where I really had to reanalyze um, the the wellness parts of my mental health journey because I went to school for this. I literally went to school to be a mind-body wellness coach. I literally went to school for holistic nutrition. But then somewhere along the way, I started lying to myself saying, oh, well, you know, that, that cupcake's gluten-free and organic and vegan, so that's healthy, right? That's, that's health food. These cupcakes are healthy, macaroni's health food, and I wasn't getting, you know, the nutrients my body needed to be able to, uh, to really function, to be able to really combat those symptoms of anxiety and depression. Yeah, and I mean, you said a few things that, again, I want to highlight. So, um, for one, I think when people say, you know, like, they're not going to make the change until they're ready, or, you know, like, they have to be, this is really what they mean, you guys. Like, it's not, like, because there's been people, I mean, so like I said, I'm a mental health uh, clinician, so there's uh, the stages of change that people go through when they are trying to switch a habit, and it could be as intense as having um, a substance abuse issue, or it could be as minute as just, you know, like if you're a little kid, you need to brush your teeth in the morning and you don't brush your teeth. Like it could be that small, but basically in between every phase is relapse. But what we have to understand is it's not just a decision. Like, yeah, that is a big part because there's pre-contemplation, there's contemplation, and then there's action. So there is, a de- uh, excuse me, there is the decision aspects of it. But to highlight when they say like it's up to the person to really make the change it's not just them waking up one day and being like oh, i want to be different because i'm sure there was plenty of times throughout that whole journey where you was like i want to stop doing this that's not what really triggers the change it's like it has to be this full <laughs> sorry something sound like it failed it has to be this like full like process that you have because like you said it's self it is truly self like it's 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 the affirmations that you did the gratitude that you're doing the um the physical side of it, the eating side of it, the act, like everything that goes into to you, like it has to be there. And so uh, like people, but it's a step, it's a process, like there's steps to it. There's things that you could be doing. There's paths that you'll go that fit you the most. Like for me, I meditate in a certain way that if I brought somebody else on to meditate, they'd probably be like, nah, this ain't it (laughs) because that's not for them. Like, (laughs) like if I was standing on the ledge and Lincoln Park played, I probably wouldn't even have paid attention because that's not like the people that like talk to me. So it's just like everything goes into like what kismetly needs to happen for you to get to that path. But just to highlight for people that have something that they're trying to fix, like it is, it is a full process, but I think, uh, one of the keys that a lot of people need to know is you have to, and I say this like almost every episode, so I hope y'all getting it. You have to write it, think it, and say it. So when you think it, you're starting to give your mind another alternative 
which is like kind of what happened to you. Like you have to have like this introduction that things could be better. So then you start thinking about it and you really start breaking it down, but then you have to write it because you have to make it make sense. You have to really fully plan it. Okay, I have this addiction, but I'm trying to get to here where I'm not tied to this addiction. So what are the things? solve the math problem what are the things that i need to do to carry that x over here Work backwards yeah yeah so you gotta break it down and then you have to start telling people you have to say it you have to have some accountability to to you to your process and so it's like this whole thing um but that's good and i i, I like that you found sources from people that you wouldn't have ever like thought would be oh somebody else i wanted to highlight the your who you say your groundskeeper there's so many things that's dope about what he did. One, that he was nobody that you knew personally to even think to seek help from, but also that you were safe because so many places in that story could he have turned out to be another person that caused you more harm and more trauma during that time frame, And he was safe to you and for you that whole time. And like, so I just want to like hand clap to whoever that person was. Tom, his name was Tom. I'll never forget Tom. Yeah, thank you, Tom, for that. Like as a woman, like I really felt that because I was just like, there's been times to where like, I wanted to feel safe by somebody and it's like, but <laughs> like, yeah. and so for you to have that, that's really nice. I think that most people don't realize there are crappy people that don't understand, you know, mental health and they might not be crappy people. They just might not understand mental health. But for the most part, I could literally walk outside my house right now. And if I find someone, you know, with the COVID thing going on, but if I walk outside my house right now and I find someone and I say, look, can you please just talk to me? I just need someone to talk to me. I know you don't know me. I don't know you, but I'm really having a hard time. I like your shirt. Can we talk about your shirt? You know? It might be weird for people, but nobody is going to say, go die. You know, nobody is going to say, go kill yourself. Even if you go on Facebook and you find a group of, of people that are either like-minded or that have a similar interest or something. I mean, I could go on a Lincoln Park fan page right now and say, hey guys, I'm struggling emotionally. And I'd probably have a hundred freaking people message me and say, hey, do you need to talk? Do you need help? There's always somebody that's willing to talk to you, whether it's a fan on a Lincoln Park page or your groundskeeper at your apartment complex. Somebody is willing to talk you through that process and to help you get to a place where you can think, what's my next step? Yeah, I mean, and that's definitely a, like a real positive outlook to it. I, I mean, I, I would say this though for people that- Be safe. <laughs> I might, yeah, be safe and you might try and it doesn't necessarily work for you. But like she said, like it's not, basically you miss every shot you don't take. So you have to put, it's, it's uncomfortable. It could be embarrassing. It's very vulnerable to put yourself out there to people for them to actually extend themselves to you. But you won't ever get that compassion if you don't put yourself out there first. And maybe the first person you go up to is like, are you crazy? Get on my face. Because look, if you live in New York, maybe you right. You know what I mean? Like, there are places for this. But, like, you have to try. Like, you have to try, and you have to be okay with rejection. You have to be okay with some people not understanding because people are dealing with their own stuff. But when it does happen and you do make that connection, oh, it's, like, really beautiful. 